So I started twerking last night. Dunno, just did. Was listening to the Radio Wolfgang app. Downloaded it, listened to it, real cool, you know. And the urge just took me to twerk. No, I was terrible, obviously. Come on. You can get caught in the cold, but... Moria camp in Lesbos. We walk in and we have three clowns in full costume, tons of sequins, a charango, which is a string instrument, an accordion, big bubble wand and hula hoops. We start walking up the, you know, long, dirty driveway towards uh, where the registration area is. It's a long walk. We just start saying, hello. Every big group of people that we pass, the clowns stop and start waving and having a little interaction with them. Either immediately they're like, oh, hey, you guys are here, or they're a little bit hesitant, wary, and they look at us and they don't know if we mean it, you know, if we really want to talk to them. And the clowns never leave before they get the wave back. Pass the police and we say hello to them. We start to make a parade through all of the UNHCR tents where families are staying, and so we start playing the music. We made a song in Arabic that's just the words, let's go, come on, over and over and over again. All of the kids start peeking their heads out of the tents, and they look back in at their parents, and we wave at them, and we motion for them to come join the parade that we're going to do a show. And the clowns are like playing that they're getting hooked on all the clotheslines because there's tons of clotheslines hanging between all of the tents. Slowly, slowly, there becomes this giant parade of children walking behind the three clowns. And so they get to the end of the, of the tent area to where we're going to do the show. At the beginning, there's maybe 400 people. And then as the show goes on, by the end of it, there's probably about 1,000 people in the audience just on this circle, on this pavement. That's basically what it is like to walk into the camp and get the show started. I get one of three reactions when I talk about the work. The first unfortunate and most common one is, I hate clowns. And like, okay, great. Let's talk about your job as a banker then. Okay. (laughs) And then when I speak with someone who's really receptive to it, often people say, man, what am I doing with my life? And my favorite thing to hear after a conversation or a presentation is, I didn't realize how simple it is. I didn't realize how effective you can be when you simply relate to other people. I like to ask, do you have a kid? Yeah, I have a kid. What was it like the first time you saw your child smile at you? What was it like the first time you saw your child smile after having the flu for two days or even being hospitalized? How did that affect you? How did that resonate in you? And then people say, oh, so that's what happens in your shows and your audiences? And like, yeah, okay, that's what happens. And then people say, ah, I I get that. 
We work in the middle of nowhere. We've had clowns that have to swim with their gear across a large body of water to get to a remote island in Indonesia to do work. Refugee camps, conflict zones, natural disaster sites. We do shows in the middle of cow pastures as well as in big theaters and urban, urban and rural settings. We go wherever we're invited and do whatever we can to get where people ask us to come. We had a project in Lesbos, Greece, with the refugees that are coming from Turkey. On one of the nights, about three days into our performing tour, there was a really bad shipwreck off the coast, and a boat that had 400 people in it uh, capsized, and then three boats after that capsized. It was the middle of the night. It was a really bad night. Our performing team went down to the harbor, you know, not in costume, just as volunteers. A lot of people died that night, and after we had been there for a few hours, you know, it was getting past midnight, and we were all exhausted, and we were like, you know, we have to, we have to get ready for the shows tomorrow. Two days from now, three days from now, the people that survived tonight are the people that we're going to be doing shows for. It's just amazing when you think about how, how stressful and how traumatized those situations are, how willing our audiences are still to play with us. Welcome to our island, first. Welcome to Greece. Welcome to Europe. So what is Lesbos? Lesbos, it's the... First of all, it's, it's the third biggest island of Greece, yes? It's like a diamond in the Aegean Sea. Uh, has a hundred thousand people population. of trees and olive trees and it's a quiet place. Uh, refugees are coming to the island since uh, about nine, ten years ago. The Greeks, they're great, right? And so it was almost like it was a good place for the refugees to end up. Ready? Nope, uh -oh. somebody's blocking the trunk. <laughs> I don't think anyone... Oh, oh, yes, my bubbles. My name is Tamara Palmer for Clowns Without Borders USA. On this particular trip to Greece, I am the trip logistician. Yeah. One more. We, I think, are the first people to come back to Lesvos from, from Clowns Without Borders. It's been a couple of months. Morning. Morning. So we got up really early and we got all of our belongings together because the plan was to go to the beach on the shore and uh, greet incoming vessels that had refugees. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning. Sabine has been here before. She's only, what, five feet two or something, but she fills the room, her laugh, her voice, her expressions. Okay, guys, I am so excited. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Colleen, she's like this, this great focal point where, uh, where she's like the base, you know, whatever crazy acrobatics Jan and Sabine 
want to do. She's she's just there to to support and enhance and, and bring her music. Yes. We discovered last night that I can hold both Jan and Sabine at the same time. So I guess my signature move is strength. <laughs> I like to carry people. Depending on what country you're in, they're, they're really, the kids are not used to seeing a woman pick another woman up, much less a woman and a man at the same time. So yeah. it can have a, a nice surprise and comical <laughs> effect. Yeah. Um, and then there's Jan. And I have seen him in lots of Clowns Without Borders pictures where he's folding his body in half or he's literally like doing a handstand on, on a moving platform. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this incredible athlete? Park, there we go. Should we, do you want to go ask them, Tamara? Yeah. They'll know. They, the smugglers basically put people on the boat and then the refugees decide who's going to drive and the smuggler tells the driver who's never driven a boat before okay you're going to go this way and then turn this way and that way and and then that's it go ahead and go so imagine the driver of the boat feeling like okay i am responsible of the soul of 60 people on this boat Two boats. It's fine. Right. Okay, bubbles, bubbles galore. Bubbles. Noses. 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 Uh. I got it. Thanks. You're welcome. Two boats had just landed, and they quickly indicated to us that we could come over. That everyone there was okay. They had uh, dry clothes and what they needed. He needs a shoe. Shoes. I'll ask this lady. So we ran over and I was kind of standing behind Sabine because I didn't know what to expect and she had done it before. I was a little nervous. All right. Hello, how are you? Hello. Greetings. You could see they were both relieved to be on the shore and that relief seemed to be magnified by the presence of something kind of silly and joyful. Hi, nice to see you. Hi. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, Sabine is an amazing, amazing force of nature. Uh, she speaks English, French, and Arabic. And she hula hoops, and she is a magician who creates these magical bubbles. I watch her with the children, and they just immediately are struck by her. Colleen, she has an amazing voice. Tutu, a sparkly cape. She looks like a psychedelic disco ball. And then she strums this guitar and has a kazoo. looked around and not everyone was playing with us, but everyone looked on us kindly, and I was so happy to see that. (laughs) And you could see the the kids would turn to us with interest at first, and then they started smiling, and then they high-fived, and then they started laughing, and then they started, like, pushing me over into the sand and doing it again and again. 
The first time I saw him on the beach do a skit where he was falling over intentionally, I busted out laughing. Like, I, I forgot to be a logistician and became part of the show. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's okay. It's simple. Travel safe. Bye. 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 In Iraq, I uh, finished my study in history department, and I was in Iraq teacher in uh, 2014. ISIS coming in the Sinjar town, just killing, killing everybody as it is. I'm coming with with uh, uh, 25 children and women. Uh, the ship, it's no work in the middle of sea, so I. Uh, Called by the um, government and police and uh, organization and sent my location for them and they are coming to help us. Now we will go to uh, Athena and after that we go to the Germany because the German government helped yes, these people. We don't need anything for the world, just we want to live, just live, you know. But what are we doing? And I walked off to the side for one minute because I thought we were going to go someplace else. And uh, an older man with a cane, um, he kind of indicated to me, and I went up to him, and he spoke very good English, but he was still speaking in a very halted voice. And he was clearly, you know, moved by the experience he just had landing, you know, in Europe for the first time maybe. But he just said with what he'd been through, they were so happy when they saw our faces, is what he said. And... Um, and he was kind of crying, so I put my hand on his shoulder and then I hugged him. It was very moving, and I, I was glad that I came here. I, I had this thought while I was there, that it's like, this is an absurd thing, to get off of a, you know, a leaky raft and to have a clown uh, falling down in front of you and high-fiving your kids. <laughs> it's absurd um, in a wonderful way. I just had this picture in mind, it's like, oh, maybe, you know, years from now when they're settled down somewhere else, they can be telling the story of how they got to the West or how they got out of Syria. And they can say, and when we land on the shore, guess what? There were clowns there. How about that? The idea that Clowns Without Borders isn't a priority for people in crisis situations is really normal, and it's, it's to an extent, it's true. You know, we're not as important as food, we're not as important as water, we're not as important as shelter, um, but after those basic survival things are there, we fit into a piece of the psychosocial support for people living in crisis. So I think that it's hard to remember that all of these people who we work with during our shows, 
these are people who are just like you and me, you know, even with the European refugee crisis. These people are not the poorest of the poor from their communities. These are people that come from places where they have money, like they go shopping. These are doctors and teachers and families and old people. So I think that, you know, in my personal opinion, a lot of the time when we get that pushback, even after it's clear that, you know, we come further down the list than the basic survival needs, it's something that happens when we dehumanize refugees and we dehumanize displaced people. We start to rationalize that they don't deserve things that are more than the basics of survival. There's this bit that we do that's called Dead or Alive, and it's where one of the clowns dies and they try to save him through a series of funny things. And then at the end, ta-da, he's actually been joking and he's alive. And we were doing this bit at one of the refugee camps in a space that's run by a well-known organization. And it was for a group of uh, kids who had just been in a shipwreck the night before. And (laughs) it was so funny because we were doing this bit. All the kids are at the front laughing. And this one woman comes over to talk to the coordinator. And she was so angry. She was so offended that we were doing this bit. So I went over and I said, hey, is everything okay? Like, is there a problem? And she was like, oh yeah, of course there's a problem. Like, how can you be doing this bit? It's so insensitive. You know, these kids almost died yesterday. But all of the kids are, you know, hysterical. Like, they are loving it. They're so engaged. It's so connected. They think it's so funny. Um, But that kind of thing is just really interesting to me because it's true. Like, every single time that we do one of those acts, those are always the ones that get the biggest laughs, the ones that are relatable to the challenges that the audience has been going through. Being able to sort of take control of those experiences through laughter is something that I think is really valuable. And even in our own personal lives, you know, when we're all dealing with problems and, (laughs) you know, your house gets flooded, you miss the subway, yada, 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 don't we always all end up getting over it by laughing about it. That is a big boat. We kind of scared the Coast Guard official yesterday. Bye! Well, we started to walk in because the gate's open. I don't know if we were fortunate in the gate being open. And we started walking and someone said, hey, 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 hey! So we went back to that window to talk to the gate guard and uh, told him who we were, what we do, could we stay and perform. He said, no, we cannot be here. And then the other clowns showed up and then he got more nervous and we got, we got kicked out. I don't know. Something has changed. And I understand that you know, we, we need to make things efficient, but it, it's just like this level of intensity. I don't understand it. It's everything is behind a closed gate or a wire fence, and you have to get the right permissions. And I, and I understand the need for that, but it is frustrating. It's frustrating when we want to just do these things for children and their families that we know are amazingly effective and giving people a smile that they probably haven't had for weeks. It's such a nice way for them to begin integrating with their new life here, and we can't do it yet. We just can't do it. (laughs) 
I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. This is expected. I find that the police in almost every country, they're not really interested in juggling uh, if it makes their job uh, more difficult. This is my second time to Lesbos. The first time I was here, it was in October. It's very, very different this time. Last time, it was a crisis. Nobody knew what to do. The number of people was way more than the number of volunteers and people trying to help. For us as performers, it was easier to just perform everywhere and anywhere. And this time, uh, it looks like they found a system which is good, but it's also more closed. And we, we're still not allowed to go to Montreal. Really, we're only clowns. It's, why is it so hard to go to Moria camp? What's the threat that clowns can... <laughs> but we will keep trying to go to Moria. Everybody is saying that Moria is the place to be. Where uh, This is where we are needed. And people are not happy there. They're sad. So I feel like we should fight to go there. We have a very, very small budget. When we travel, we can't carry a lot of gear with us. So we also don't have massive props. Because when we do our shows, we want to perform in a way that the kids can relate. And if the kids see us juggling um, found objects, then the kids might say, oh, I can learn to juggle because these objects are things that I'm used to seeing. In Greece, we created a bit that was only for the shows that we did at the harbor where the refugees wait to get the ferry from the island to Athens. And we developed this bit that was basically all about the journey that they had taken until they got up to theirs. So it was about paying the smuggler, getting in the boat, waiting in the line, waiting at the refugee camp, waiting at the transit camp, buying your tickets, like yada, yada, yada. And, you know, it was a little bit edgy, but for that bit, we used the emergency blankets that they give the refugees, and we used those to be the water. And we needed a chair, and we borrowed it every single time from the little snack shop in the harbor. It makes people connect with it, you know, like being willing to sort of take the risk and use these props that are being seen as these things that are scary and letting the reality change and letting it be something where the kids are like, oh, they're using it as a trampoline. Like, I've been wanting to do that since we got here, but I felt like it wasn't the right vibe, you know, and then all of a sudden all of the kids have been given this permission to play again. Generally, our performers are much more human than the traditional clown costume. Sometimes our clowns will wear red noses, sometimes blue noses, sometimes no noses. And the one thing that we found, it's nice to have a nose that you can take off pretty easily. So if you're interacting with some children and they get uncomfortable, you can take the nose off and then they can see, oh, fully human. I think one thing with having a lot of makeup, it's hard to take the makeup off really quickly if an audience member is really uncomfortable or freaking out. A lot of the time we don't wear a whole ton of makeup because if we do, by the end of the day, it's just goopy and sweaty and then we look like psycho killer clowns because it's running all over our faces. <laughs> we look like eccentric human beings. So everything comes from a place of normalcy, but looks a little, a little wackier. And it's that extension of normal that, that the kids see and play with. Um, so I think our form of clowning is really specific to the work that we're doing and the areas we're working in. So there is more of a connection and you don't have the blockage of makeup, which could unintentionally become scary. 
it's a bit confusing to understand the difference between the main Moria camp and the Better Days for Moria, which is all volunteer run. So we wanted to have a little bit more clarification. We hope to maybe find someone who can let us know. We said that we would all meet up in a bar this evening and talk about tonight. Freddie is a guy that we met. We'd heard of him first when we went to a Better Moria camp. Someone mentioned that there was an Alaskan clown coming every day. Freddie lives on a boat in the harbor of Lesbos and rides a very tall bike, a five-foot-tall bike around the island. In the down camp of Moria, there's just one small children's tent. Um, I just went in it for the first time the other day because I was going to show outside. So, got it? See you there? I think so. I'll race you. Okay. I'm in second, that doesn't help. There was a moment at the Better Days for Moria camp where I was playing guitar. Jan's falling down a million times over and getting huge laughs from all the kids, especially the boys. And Sabine has her magical bubbles. I like very much. This music is good for children. They make happy all the children. Yes, and, and uh, me. I am from Afghanistan. This night, uh, uh, 10 o'clock, I will go to Atan City. Uh, I think uh, there are some people, they are uh, uh, unhappy. And, but with music, they will be happy. I look down and there's a young girl, maybe nine, and she's looking up at my guitar, just just glowing. Hello. As soon as I looked down at her, she reached just to me to hug me. And that kind of willingness to embrace and have such a beautiful, intimate moment, for me, it's what it's all about. And then I realized that there were seven girls and they all started following me. And as a woman, I like to show little girls what you can be as a woman, that you can be independent and strong and courageous and soft and sweet all at the same time. So anytime I get to really interact with the girls, I quite like that. She's so strong. We can do it. I Fred, who's not with Clowns Without Borders, he already has a relationship with a lot of the kids there. And Also, being in Greece since 2004, Freddie is clearly seen the worst of the, the Greek crisis that has affected this whole country. He speaks fluent Greek. He's doing amazing things out here on his own, with no organization to back him up. He doesn't even have a phone. I'm not a clown insofar as being 
trained. I've never been to clown school or something. But I've been living a life as a human who wants to change the world, and, and my road somehow has come through clown. There's so many kids here, and they've been through so much, you know. And they're not only from Syria. They're from uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, even Africa. So I show up and they're waiting for their papers, they're waiting to get on the ferry boat to move to the next step in this big journey of their lives. And I do the show without any language, so I, d I communicate with sound. And I get them to hold hands and sing together. Get them to shout. When you shout, you get all these things out that maybe you're otherwise you're gonna you're gonna hold maybe for the rest of your life. After the show or sometime in the show, they ask everyone their name. You have everyone clap for them so that they feel a sense of themselves. And I'm Mustafa. Mustafa, yeah, Mustafa. Um, I take a lot from the moment that uh, the kids are happy and we're all happy and we change. Uh, Change the situation, these dirty, muddy, dusty camps where they're waiting in the cold, and then suddenly it's turned into a festive environment where the kids can let go of things. For the kids especially, some of them won't remember much, but they'll remember colors or they'll remember emotions. So they'll have this emotion deep in their heart that they laughed and sang and held hands and with, uh, with these, all these colors around them. This what's happening here is a is the I think the strongest message that can that can show the world right now that something's just not right. The world's smaller; it's all connected. We're like clowns without borders, doctors without borders, a world without borders. We're we're one people, and our similarities are more than our differences. We all need food, water, love, and hope, and a future. And it's really sick that. Depending on where you're born is, is what uh, opportunities you have. You know, I was born in America. As a healthy white male, I could, I could be a business guy if I wanted to work on Wall Street, if that's what I wanted to do. My father's dream for me was to be a millionaire. He wanted his kid to be a millionaire, you know? So you have to get a good job, and you have to work, and you have to do this, and, and have money, because money's what makes you safe. Um, I realized at a young age that the more you take is going to be less for somebody else. Um, because the world is a finite place and everything is connected. Every baby, every kid should have a, a chance to, to be happy and uh, have the basic things they need in, in life. I don't know what the answer is. I'm looking for it. I want to encourage other people to look for another way, for everything, for transportation, for social relations, for economics, for for everything. Um, important for me is just to not accept this is the way things are always, always are and always gonna be, but hey, let's find better ways. Last week I went to Turkey with the ferry boat and we paid five euros for the, for the boat across. And that includes border stamps and police and everything five euros and the ferry boat trip took one hour you know 
on this big safe boat where you can sit inside. And these families with their babies in their arms only because they want a future for their children or for themselves and, and because where they're coming from, they don't have it. Because if they did, they would, they would stay there because everyone has their home and their roots and their things and nobody wants to be unrooted. No tree wants to be unrooted. Um, they're not to be blamed, I think, for wanting to leave. It's, it's the situation that's been caused, I believe, by the unfairness of distribution of wealth and power in the world. These people that are in this bad situation are paying up to a thousand euros or more, emptied their bank accounts, sold everything they have to get in an overcrowded, uh, dangerous boat. In, uh, and now it's winter even, cold. It, a lot of people arrive in the rain, totally soaking wet. People are even dying of hypothermia. I've seen boatloads of people come in and they're brown-skinned people and they're gray, teeth chattering and things like that. And, most of the passage is at night, so they're afraid and cold and up to 50, 60 people, maybe more, crammed in these boats with not knowing if they're gonna live or die. And they, they spend so much for this. Because of where I was born or whatever, that I'm able to do the same trip safely, legally for five euros because you're from uh, Afghanistan or Iran and your country's been bombed and your family's been killed or something, you're paying and risking your life. That's completely crazy and unfair. And maybe the thousand euros that they would use to, to pay a, a smuggler that is uh, profiting off of uh, other people's misery, they could use this money to start a new life in wherever they're going. go to better places than the pockets of smugglers, I think. If, uh, they could all take the boat for five euros and arrive safely. Wouldn't that be something? More than 40 children are reported to have been killed and thousands of people from Iraq's Yazidi minority have fled their homes in northern Iraq. The ancient city of Sinjar in northern Iraq stands empty. Thousands of Iraq's Yazidi minority have fled their homes after the Islamic State gave them an ultimatum. Repent or face death. In 2014, ISIS killing 300 Yazidi people and uh, still we have uh, 500 women and girls kidnapped by the ISIS and Daesh make um, sex with uh, children, girls, 10 and 9 uh, years old and nobody help Yazidi people and so with my family and uh, 14,000 Yazidis people, we go uh, escape to Mount of Sinjar. We stayed uh, 10 days on the high Mount of Sinjar uh, without food, without drinking. Daily, I see by my eyes how the children date without drinking, without food. Now, the uh, situation for Yazidis people very, very, very bad. Daily, 
10, 11, 12, maybe uh, 50 person Yazidis, they are dead in the sea, daily. I will tell you a story for the uh, woman. She was in kidnapped by the ISIS. The ISIS killing she, uh, she husband, and take she she girls, and uh, she she was uh, have um, uh, children two years. Uh, one day, she was she was very very hungry. She don't eating anything. ISIS coming tell woman, we will make for you a dinner, a Tuesday dinner tonight. She don't uh, know any information about this dinner. After us uh, coming in rice and meat until she uh, eating. After she eating, us uh, they are uh, love. Allahu Akbar, haha. Uh, she said, why? Uh, the ISIS tell woman, do you know what you eating? You, you are eating your uh, meat, children. Children, yes. Now she is crazy. Many organizations, uh, NGO help these people, but don't forget, we, we need more because we are poor people. We don't have anything, just they are living. No, no future for any Yazidis in Iraq, Syria, Turkish. Maybe we will have future in Europe. Yes, I'm here. And maybe I'm now good. And we, when we are traveling to Germany and stay to this country, I will be happy. But my heart will never be happy because my, my all people now living in so bad uh, situation. Uh, the important for me and for um, all Yazidis people, we, 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 we see the world and you are human, not your religion. We are, you are human. Ask anybody here Yazidis, if you need his heart, he will give you. We love Salam. We love freedom. But what we do? I, I want tell my, my stories and my people's stories for all the world, what happened for Yazidis. Don't forget, tell anybody. I think that a lot of the time, it's more for the adults than it is for the children sometimes, especially when, you know, sometimes you've got a, an adult who's got a one-year-old or a less than one-year-old. And that baby is not focusing on the show, but the adults, they're like, look, 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 and trying to get the kid to be engaged just because the adult is engaged. You know, the adult's really the one who's there, who's wanting to have the comedy. And I think there's that side. And then I've also seen the other side where the adults don't give a shit about what we're doing. And we were, we were working with Yazidi Christians in Eastern Turkey in this refugee camp of about 500 to 1,000 people. Most of the people in the camp were women um, because most of the men uh, had been systematically killed by ISIS and never made it out um, 
of, of Syria and northern Iraq. And uh, so we're doing the show. We have a bit where we have three clowns come out on stilts. And we call it Giant Land. And it's beautiful and it's ethereal. And the clowns are walking around on stilts. And there are some adults in the back of the crowd just watching, not really connecting. And then all of a sudden, this two-year-old runs out on stage and starts acting like the stilt walkers. So you've got these stilt walkers who are, you know, almost 10 feet in the air and this tiny two-year-old acting like a stilt giant. And the adults saw that and went crazy. And for the rest of the show, they were laughing and having a good time. So I think for the, the adults that don't get into the actual bits, when they see their kids or other kids laughing, it's contagion and they, they're there with us. So it's two different ways that I think adults really connect. Definitely, and you can just see the relief on the face of the adult who has you know, been feeling so hopeless and unable to give this sort of comfort to the child. Having that experience, it's a huge amount of relief. Yeah, people ask us all the time, what, what's the effect of the work that you do? I think that so much of it is for the aid workers and for the other people who have not had a chance to feel because of fear, because of the violence, because of whatever's going on. And family members that see their child smile for the first time in months or weeks or days, that's powerful. Because it means that you're not just surviving anymore, that you're not just 100% focused on making it to the next minute. It means a lot just as far as being a human and being a human that's connected to other humans. And so that's really special too. There are a lot of trees. Yeah. It's a, like a good amount of green space. The energy feels different. Karatepe is a kind of a smaller camp run by Stavros. So before they used to only host the Syrian families uh, in it. And now it's kind of a last stop before going to the boat, to the big boat and leaving the island. I met Stavros uh, two months ago when I was here last time. We were we were doing our recce and trying to find places to, uh, to perform. And we got to Karatepe and we Hello. saw this guy. Everybody was like, oh, go talk to Stavros. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, welcome back, welcome Thank back. Thank you. Hi, how are you? I'm so Jan. this is Jan. This is Hello, Colleen. Colleen. Uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Um, welcome to the family. Thank you. My lady. Stavros, so what's happening in Lesbos is the situation has changed, huh? You tell me, you see, you have seen with your eyes. You are here before. We have progress every day. We try to do many, many good things for our visitors, for our guests. And we try very hard. Tomorrow we have 1,600 people here because wow. this is the capacity. Uh-huh. And yes, we are full. Mm. We have now the family meeting inside. Every Wednesday we do that. Mm. It's a family meeting because here we are operating under of the family spirit, you know. Eh? Don't forget that. You are know. the family. Aww. You are the first clone without borders. <laughs> you come here. Okay. And you remember my words. Of course, Umbra. of course. Uh, say to this uh, perfect lady, where is your uniform, a clone uniform? And she asked me, it's in my car. 
Go, take your clothes and start. Come on, what are you doing? Go get what the clothes and start. Like, what are, what are, you, are you asking? Move. This is See, this time it's different. It's very different. Last time, everybody was welcoming. This time, of course, you, because we're from the family. Exactly. Look, look, many, many changes, many things have changed. Mm. Here in Lesbos from Moria mm. and in Karatepe. But if you are family, you are, fa you are in family. Mm. That is forever. Mm. <laughs> It's not for one month, forever. You do something very important for me. You give the, the happiness and the, and the smile to our, chil to, to our children. All the children, it's our children. It's not refugees, it, it's not immigrants. And uh, yes, I say to all the teams, you call these people like visitors, like guests, like our family. We try to give the best hospitality, good support and good services. What, what have changed? All the people go to Moria. Okay. Registered first and after. Uh, from over there, the buses mm -hmm. bring uh, to us the, our visitors, our guests, and uh, we give the hospitality here. And they stay here tomorrow? What time they leave? Tomorrow it's general strike, two days. Okay. Nobody leave from here. So tomorrow, if we perform today, tomorrow they're going to be the same people here? No, tomorrow maybe we have more and more and more and more. I don't know the number. Take your time. I don't care what time you come. You have my permission okay. forever. <laughs> okay, so keep and continue your great job. Continue to give the happiness and the smile to, to the people. Do it. That is the best present for all those people. So we've been getting up really early before dawn, five in the morning. Pitch black, the alarm goes off, Sabine and I hit snooze twice today. Okay, 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 <laughs> we'll start the day. And we get our makeup done, and we get our hair done, and we teased it up, and we get our costumes on, and she gets her bubbles, I've got my instruments, we go. Nothing's happening. There's a strike. So we're at the Blue Sea Hotel in Mitalini, waiting, sitting in the lobby, waiting, 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 all dressed up, nowhere to clown. It's about social security and benefits, and because the new laws, everybody's on the streets because we don't want to, this law to, to pass. It's a trap. All the Greek people uh, is uh, in the trap. I walk together uh, with all people to solidarity. We are uh, together with uh, refugees. When uh, solidarity exists, is amazing. Uh, when uh, don't exist, is uh, uh, all against all. One poor man against the other poor man. Maybe the other come in our place and make the things uh, more difficult. Like a guillotine. It's like a guillotine. Euro Europe want to, wants to make us suffer, I think. And, and now with the, the immigrants, it, it's a big problem. Uh, we also have to do something about it. Europe does nothing about it. It's not our duty. It's, it concerns the whole world. It's and I think it's a problem that uh, the war uh, where it's happening is, is something that we created. Uh, people suffer, people die every day, and nobody cares. We have to stop all this. 
so uh, we march for all those things. This system is rotten and it can't go on. I have three children. I don't want to be pessimistic, but I want to set an example for them and I want to fight for a better future, for a better world. Yeah, I think we're in the best spot of the island. Of course, in the harbour of Mytilene. I'm a local businessman in Mytilene city, hotelia, and uh, also I own a rent-a-car. Listen, the people are, they're all right. How can I say it? They're good people, helpful, they're happy people. Except from the problems that they have with the economic crisis. But Greece in general uh, has lost all her capitals and investments, except tourism. The refugee crisis, yes, has a big effect in tourism uh, future in Lesbos and Greece in general. Uh, we have the privilege to be in this area that uh, has the most incoming people from, uh, like the refugees, okay? Uh, so we also have a lot of organizations and police people, Frontex and people are coming to help, so we are working for the moment. Uh, but the things we don't we don't know what tomorrow is gonna be. You know, after this finishes, I guess we're gonna be like dead for three years or something like that. <laughs> we have no no reservations, no tourism, no nothing for next year. Nobody's coming to the island anymore. My opinion is that the best thing you can do is try to bring charter flights with people to help the refugees. <laughs> Nothing else. Don't look for tourists. I'm amazed <laughs> if I hear that the, what the Greeks are not doing enough. We're trying to help. A lot of people trying to help. I've heard of uh, fishermen, boats going out from the villages to collect people outside, drowning. They save a lot of lives. Uh, I'm proud of them. has an effect. has an effect in any country. I have three child. You see pictures of uh, parents carrying dead people, dead child's uh, hands. <sighs> Bodies in the sea. Doesn't it, doesn't it uh, affect your way of life? Hmm? We are getting inside the war zone. And we don't have a war. When a boat capsizes or people die, it's not only the family members who feel sad, it's the whole island. So clowns come and they, they just add something happy, hope. Yeah, I think that's it. Clowns add hope in a place like this for the refugees, immigrants, for, for the volunteers and for the Greek people. I grew up during war in Lebanon. It was very, very hard. Now I look at kids and I'm like, oh my God, I missed all my childhood. 
I was an angry, paranoid person. I mean, no, I was happy and fun and everything, but I had this, like, I would get angry from life. When I was introduced to clowning, I felt relieved in a way and free. Life became more simple. And I was like, okay, well, that's it. I really want to put this out there as well, this positive feeling. I want to share it with the world. There was this moment on Lesbos when uh, we were performing. One guy made a joke or something, and everybody laughed so much. And I was like, you're apparently funnier than us. You should be with us performing. And he said, well, hell yes, I want to be with you. I deserve to laugh today. I was about to die last night in the sea. I was about to drown. And last week, my dad died, burnt from top to toe in Syria. So I think I, I deserve to laugh. And I was like, wow, this is, this is what we're here for. We're here for, to, give, to give this moment um, to these people. I saw uh, there's a volunteer yesterday who's like, I'm scared of clowns. Get over it, man. <laughs> when we're talking with people from the United States or from other Western places, it's like, oh, aren't you going to scare the kids more by sending clowns to that place? It's funny to me when people have that level of disconnection with the people who are actually in our audiences because these children are coming from active war zones. These children are the 51 million displaced people in the world right now. They have way bigger fish to fry than spending energy being afraid of performers who are there only to give them entertainment when they otherwise wouldn't have anything. They have a lot more to fear than clowns. At least with my experience working with Clowns Without Borders, I've not experienced stigma about clowns outside of the U.S. And the, the term clown even, we've worked in some communities where we ask, you know, what's the translation of this term clown? We were in rural Swaziland at one point. And we said, so what is clown in, in your, your language? And it took a week for the people that we worked with to try to figure out a translation of clown. And, and at the end of the week, they wrote it down and it was a series of words. And it translated roughly to funny, weird white people that come to our country. <laughs> Essentially, clowns and refugees have a lot of things in common. The refugees are stigmatized, right? Um, if we understand the word refugee, we're not really thinking about the person, we're thinking about the term. And that they're this, they're this person that's from another country showing up in my land, and they don't maybe look like me, and they don't speak like me. All of that miscommunication impacts how the rest of the world would look at them. 
And the clowns, um, they also have suffered from the same type of stigma. And sometimes we do think of them as an idiot as opposed to the talented creators that they really are. People might see a nose on their face, but there's more behind that. There is intelligence and wit and years of training. And, uh, and that's, so that's a, that's a very unique parallel to see. I just hope that everyone remembers that a human life shouldn't be weighed by how much money it costs to save them. It doesn't matter, right? It made me think of that song. Let's see, with the last line. They may pay us off in fame, but that is not why we came. And if it compromises truth, then we will go. For everyone who works with the organization, our best case scenario would be if there was never a need to send another clown troop to a refugee camp or to a conflict zone because they were gone. You know, that's everybody's end goal. Is the nature of the work that we do going to change as the nature of clowning with a capital C changes? I don't know. Tim, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I kind of think, thinking about the bigger picture clown, I think clown is always a reflection of society and the world, and it ebbs and flows and comes and goes, and there's good and there's bad. But I think that, I think that we are evolving as humans continue to evolve, and we're on the right track. Do clowns follow the world? Yeah. What if the world started following clowns? That could be really exciting. never made it back into Moria camp. But during their time in Lesbos, they brought happiness and laughter to many refugee children and their families. For more information about Clowns Without Borders, go to their website, www.clownswithoutborders.org, where you can donate to their cause. Radio Wolfgang would like to thank Molly Levine and Tim Cunningham, Tamara Palmer, Sabine Shukair, Colleen Kintz and Yan Dam from Clowns Without Borders, as well as Captain Freddy, who can still be found on his boat, Utopia, in the harbour of Missolini. Thanks also to the people of Lesbos, all the staff at the Blue Sea Hotel, Taxiarchis, Stavros Miroyanis, and Emma Echink from the Starfish Foundation, as well as the volunteers at CYCI. If you'd like to have a go volunteering yourself, you can go to the UNHCR website for information on how to help or search out local NGOs. We'd also really like to thank Sabah Barakat and all the refugees who we met on this trip. After a difficult journey, Sabah and the 25 women and children who he was travelling with made it to Germany. Hello. Hello, Sabah. Hi. Hi, how are you? Thanks so much. Uh, we are in Germany and now in uh, camp. What about you? Are you OK? Are you this episode of The Lives of Others is brought to you by the team at Radio Wolfgang. Produced and edited by Harry Watson and Natalia Rodriguez. The sound design also by Natalia. Executive produced by Ellie Di Martino.